John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus replied to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see, and in verse 6 it says enter, you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. Praise God. This is how we enter this kingdom called the kingdom of God. And then in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Praise God. In these, in these two verses, we see how we enter and we now have the testimony of somebody who has been born again. I've been born again and my testimony is he's rescued me from the kingdom of darkness and now I'm in the kingdom of God. I'm in God's kingdom. This was, my, this was my testimony in 1978. In 1978, my testimony was, I'm in a new place. I'm born again. I'm in a new place. I'm in a new kingdom. And my testimony was, I feel free. I couldn't quite work it out in my head. I was a young Christian. I thought, I feel different. I'm in a new place and I feel free. I'm in a new kingdom. A miracle had taken place in my life, and I'm, now I'm part of God's kingdom. Kingdom. King's domain. I'm in this domain, this kingdom, which is where God is. And in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5, um, better make that 11, verse 3, the entire universe, have a look at this. This is the king's domain. The entire universe was formed at God's command. Oh my goodness, nothing is impossible with God. And look at this scripture. The entire universe was formed at God's command for nothing is impossible with God. This is a kingdom. We are, church, we are living in a kingdom that is not bound by human limitations. We've, we have grown up with human limitations. We know what's logical. We know what should happen. But we've got to realize now that with God, nothing is impossible. And now we are in a kingdom where there aren't limitations. This massively affects us. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, we are told that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. He goes so much beyond our logical thinking. Human reasoning says, well... If this has happened, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is how we think as humans. But God is saying, you're in a different kingdom now. Things are different in this kingdom. It is so different. Um, an amazing scripture, 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, is a phenomenally powerful scripture. John tells us this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask Anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. This defies logic. This defies reason. Where we are told that if we ask for anything that we know is God's will, he hears us and that we will have it if we, if we believe and we have faith. God has given us thousands of promises. There are literally thousands of promises. And in him they are all yes and amen. Yeah, but that's impossible. Those promises are possible. In him is yes and amen. This is the new way of the new kingdom that we are in. 
I've come out of one kingdom. I'm no longer in the kingdom of darkness. I'm in this heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of God. The king's domain where with the king nothing is impossible. He's broken all the rules of limitations. This is the reality of it. We can think big. You're allowed to think big. You're allowed to have big dreams and big visions. We are allowed to do that. You are allowed to believe that you are going to have an abundant life. According to to Jesus' words, you are allowed to believe that you will experience love and joy and peace and fulfillment. This is within the realm of the kingdom. You can believe for health and well-being. Oh my my goodness, our, our natural minds, logic says, throw that one out, out the window. But that's not what God says in his word. We can expect a supernatural lifestyle. It's there for us. We can expect to be effective witnesses to see many people come to Christ in our lifetime. We can expect to have an intimate relationship with God, that we can, we can be with him 24-7. We can believe that our prayers are going to be answered, and we can believe that the promises that God has for us, we can obtain. This is all part of this kingdom that we are in because we are not being led by politicians. We are being led by a king in which all things are possible. This is the reality. We could sing about it, and we do sing about it. And the song will turn back to us and say, this is reality. You've just got to keep, you've got to keep up with this. We've got to make the progress. We are living in the domain of the King of Kings. Forget human limitations. Woohoo, praise God. Great expectations. And so, question, personal question. Are you right now facing an impossible situation? Are you right now facing a situation where your mind says, you're in serious trouble here? There is no human way out of this. Um, it could be with your health, it could be maybe with your job, it could be a family issue, it could be some sort of a crisis, it could be a financial thing. With God, all things are possible. We are in this realm where these things that we have been conditioned to believe there is no way through. If you weren't a Christian, there wouldn't be a way through. You aren't a non-Christian. You are now in this new kingdom, and this new kingdom has new possibilities for you. It's there. But do we know it? We are are getting it more and more and more. The Bible gives us clear examples to show us what we need to do and how to cope. There is an, um, an instant in the Bible. We are given an example of the man Abraham. Uh... Abraham is a picture of this whole situation of the impossible becoming possible, and it is there for our instruction, for us to learn from. And so for the remaining of the time that I've got here, I want to, in particular, face people who think they're in an impossible situation, who are just just being gripped with limitations and fears, and, and, and I just want to show you maybe the way through. Um... Abraham's situation. Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 was given a promise by God. It's called the Abrahamic Covenant. The the Abrahamic Covenant basically summarized, involved the fact that Abraham would have a lot of descendants. He'd have a lot of children. 
that, that the children would form a great nation. They would move into the land of Israel. They would form a great nation. Many descendants, a great nation. But not only that, that through his seed, all the world would be blessed. And we know that Jesus came from his lineage. Many descendants. The problem was that Abraham's wife was barren. The Bible makes it very obvious. It says it straight out. Sarah was barren. So we, we right now find ourselves in a situation where humanly possible, this man cannot get through his issue. But the fact is, Paul tells us the outcome in the book of Romans, and this is, this is well, basically, um, we know, history tells us that we've got Israel in Israel at the moment. You know, this, this all happened. But in Romans, Paul describes his situation as this. In Romans 4.17, um, Paul talks about the victory that Abraham had. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. This is the revelation that the Bible gives us of God. Our human, our human thinking says, what a lot of rubbish that is. But we aren't going through human reasoning. This is our new creation minds looks at it and says, this is the God who creates new things out of nothing. This is the God who breaks every rule when it comes to making sure his promises are fulfilled. This was Abraham. And then we get a little bit more, more detail about it. In 18 verses 20 to 21, Paul says, Even when there was no reason for hope, there was no hope for this man, Abraham kept hoping, believing he would become the father of many nations. There was no hope, but he kept believing. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Praise God. Abraham received the promise. God gave, Abra God gave Abraham a promise. And Abraham, despite everything, was fully convinced that God is able to do that which he promised. So right now, I just want to share a bit of my journey with you of where I am at with this whole issue of obtaining promises and seeing prayers answered and, and, and seeing, seeing miracles, things that I have gleaned and learned from Abraham, because I do believe this man Abraham is probably uh, the Bible's greatest example of faith, as somebody who's lived out faith. He's been set apart. His story is a story that we need to glean from. We can get, have our own philosophy, or we can be Bible-based and see what Abraham has to say. And this is what I have learned from this story. The first thing I've learned is, listen to this. Don't let go of God's promises, even if from a natural perspective, they appear to be over the top or unobtainable. Never let go of God's promises, even if from a human viewpoint, this isn't going to happen. Don't let go of God's promises. The fact is that to Abraham, God's promise seemed impossible. His wife was barren. You're going to have so many children, but his wife's barren. Do you know what Abraham had for his faith? 
He only had one thing, God's word, what God said to him. God said to him, this is what is going to happen. That is the only thing he could hold on to. There was nothing else around. The medical people, the philosophers, his friends, it was, your wife's barren, you're an old man. It's impossible. He just simply held his faith together with one thing. What did God say? There is a lesson there. We've got, to, we've got to be aware that you don't have to judge whether God's word is right. God's word is God's word. God says something. Someone says, well, we're going to have to get a whole lot of people and see whether we agree with what God has said. The, God's word is all that he needed. What's God's word to you? What has God promised you? What has God said to you? What has he said to you? What's his promise? What has he said? Oh, yeah, but it's, he said this, but it's impossible. Um, it's, it's impossible. Have you forgotten you're in another kingdom? But that's impossible. Have you forgotten you're in another kingdom? A kingdom where the king, where all things are possible with God and God doesn't lie. Abraham had nothing to hang on to except the promise. And he clung to that for 25 years and delivered. He got it. God's word is a lamp and a light. It shows us what we can believe for. God's word shows us what we can believe for. One of the things that I'm doing at the moment, I've actually got the book in my bag, but I'm not going to run into my office and get it. But I've got this red book, and I'm reading the Bible. I actually set a goal to read the New Testament. In, I was, went on a Daniel fast, and one of it included reading the New Testament in 21 days, which I did. And as I did it, I, I had headings in my notebook. One of them was health and healing. And I wrote down every single scripture that I found. I got page after page after page after page about health and and healing. Why have I done that? Because I want my expectation to be based upon God's word, not upon what my mind tells me or what my doctor tells me. You know, I've got this thing that I had cut off my face. I've got a bit of, anyway, a couple of days ago. And when I was young, I used to lie down at the beach, as we did back then, covered in oil, coconut oil, and frizzled ourselves. And now... This is what my doctor told me. He said, well, he's cut a few things off. He's taken, anyway. He said, well, the fact is, he said, you're going to feel like it's the Spanish Inquisition. And he said, and I'm going to be the head torturer. <laughs> he said, I'm going to be cutting so many things off you in the years ahead. And I thought, really? Do I want this? Do I want this? Is this what God has for me? I don't think so. So I get all the scriptures in the Bible on healing and my faith gets bigger and bigger and more and more and more. So I can get to the point of being like Abraham. I don't care what the circumstances are. God's given me a promise. This is what I'm choosing to believe. God's word. Another thing that God spoke to me about. Think new kingdom, not old kingdom. In the head. Sometime, sometime later, I've got to let you know, as we follow the Genesis account, Abraham kept his faith for 25 years. And for a long time, that freaked me out because I thought, how can this man have such an incredible faith for so long? I'm never, ever going to obtain to that type of faith. 
But I have come to realize as you read the Genesis account of Abraham, he had doubts along the way. He never wavered from his faith, but at times he came under attack. And at one point, he did come under attack. The time had gone by and he said, look, I've got servants here. I think it's going to be my, one of my servants is going to be my heir. You know, he just sort of, he came under attack. Um, God spoke to him. And I just want to, want to have a look at this. Genesis chapter 15, verses 4 to 6. Abraham's just said, it's going to be one of my servants. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be the heir. For you will have a son of your own and who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abraham aside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Doubts had set in. Doubts do set in. You know, John the Baptist, you know, at one point he said, Jesus, is this really the one, you know, is Jesus really the one they're looking for? You know, it's okay to have doubts. But you get doubts that completely cause you to throw your faith away, and you've got, you've got doubts where you just have to, okay, you've got to reposition yourself. Abraham had to reposition himself with his thinking. He was, God said, get out and look at the stars. Abraham could well have been in a place, in a confined place, and he's looking at the ceiling, you know, our minds will put a ceiling. This is, where, this is how far you'll go, but you won't go any further because the doctors have said this, you know, the ceiling. God says, I want you to get out and look at the stars. This is what I can do. There is no ceiling with me. Just realign yourself. Think bigger. We've got to do that. It is so important. Um, Abraham, the Bible tells us, looked was aware of his problem. Abraham was aware, yeah, I'm an old man and my wife's barren. He considered those. He, he, it wasn't as though he completely, no, no, they're not even there. He knew they were there and he looked at them, considered them. But then he looked at God and he considered God and this was a picture that defined his life. <laughs> he was aware of the issues, but now he's looking at the God of the impossible and that is what he choose, chose to look at. This is what we've got to do. In fact, realistically, I'm going to throw this out. We, we have just got to look at everything in life through this new lens of being in this new kingdom. You know, there's a new way of looking. There's a new way of thinking. There's a new way, way of acting. I just want to share a bit of a funny story with you. At least I think it's funny. It's a nice, it's a nice story about a new way of thinking. When I was at the age of 26, I've been a Christian for three years. At the age of, when I became a Christian at 23, I said to God, God, no more girls for me. Um, I, want, I want you to be on the throne of my life. I'm not messing around with relationships. Forget it. I just want to serve you wholeheartedly. Then at the age of 26, I prayed to God and I said, God, I've got a feeling I'm ready for a wife. I said, I said, you are totally on the throne of my life in every way, shape or form. Nothing can shake me. So I think I would now like a wife. And then my attitude was, but God, I don't want to do it the old way of having to go out on date after date and, you know, me breaking the hearts of all these girls along the way and, and all, that, all that type of stuff. And, you know, nowadays, I don't know, nowadays it might be online or whatever. You know, I said, I don't want that. I said, I don't want that. I've, God, this is my expectation. I'd like a wife. Please bring her to me. Just bring her to me. Just like that. That was my expectation, this new way of thinking. I said, 
bring it to me. Seriously, a couple of days later, I was in my small group, the home fellowship group. I'm sitting there, and in walks to my small group, Auntie Judy and this girl who could have been Miss Universe walked in behind her. This stunning girl walked in and sat down. I'm there in my Bible study, and I look up, and I look at her, and I think, ooh, not bad, <laughs> in a spiritual sort of a sense. Anyway, anyway, at the end of the night, I said to my friend, I said to the guy whose house I was in, I said, I've got a feeling that my wife walked in. She walked into my house, into my Bible study. She walked in. And so Julie and I started going out. We've been going out for a few months, and she dropped me. <laughs> dropped. Dropped. I couldn't believe I've been dropped. I couldn't believe. Anyway, she did. And that was a challenge. That was a challenge for me. I went away and I said, God, I had trusted you. So therefore, I will not be destroyed over this. I'm going to keep praising you because you are in control. And I was one of the church singers, we in a singing group, and I would worship God. And I had the complete victory, even though my heart was hurt. I I knew God was in control. That was my driving light. God was in control, even though I felt so upset. Anyway, after about four days, I'm, I'm in a house with a couple of guys, and we're all trying to be cool. You know, single guys, we try to be cool. Anyway, one of the guys' phone rang. One of the guys said, Mike, Julie's on the phone. Mike's heart is beating at a million miles an hour. And Mike goes, Julie who? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, Julie. So I get, I get on the phone. I'd like to think this is how the story went. I'd like to think she said, I can't live without you. And she said, can we get together? I'm trying to keep cool. Um, my heart's going, um, uh, well, I'm, I'm fairly busy. Um, when did you have in mind? And, and we got together and um, been married for, what, 30, oops, 6, 37, 35, 36. 36 years. But it was a God way of doing things. And I just want to say to you guys, we've got to start thinking kingdom rather than thinking natural. Long story that, but it's, it covers all areas. It's just God has his way of doing it. We've just got to think differently. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, okay, moving real quickly here. Here's another thing. Don't let delay destroy your vision or dream. Don't let delay destroy your vision or dream. Can I tell you, look this up. Look at the lives of the great men and women of God in the Bible, and you will see that when they got a promise, in most cases, there was a delay. You know, Moses, you know, 40 years. Abraham, 25 years. David was, what, 30 or whatever it was before he became king. Noah had to wait 20, 120 years before the rain came. You know, um, yeah, you know, God, God said to, Abra to Adam about the fact that the sea, Jesus would come. He waited 4,000 years for that. We are waiting for the second coming. God is, not in, God is not into time in as much as he's not in a hurry. So don't let the delay affect you. Yes, it is amazing if Jesus heals you instantly. So many people, Jesus healed instantly. We, we, we love instant, except instant coffee, of course. We love instant. We love the instant thing. But there was, there was the guy who Jesus put mud in his eye and said, go down and wash in the pool. And this, this guy gets prayed for. He's got mud in his eye now and he's staggering around. Where the heck's the jolly pool? You know, and he finally goes down. It was a bit harder for him. It wasn't instant. Abraham had to go through the waiting period. 
Here's another one. Our faith must be, must be certain, it must be assured, and it must be fully persuaded. Our faith must be certain, assured, or fully persuaded. If it's not, it's not really Bible faith. This is what faith looks like. It is certain, it is assured, it is fully persuaded. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, we have a significant event. I haven't got the scripture here, but Abraham had a name change. Before that, he was Abraham. Abraham became Abraham. Abraham means the father of many nations. Sarah had a name change to Sarah, which means mother of nations. She, Abraham is now 99 years old. He is so fully persuaded now. He's waited 25 years. He is so fully persuaded. He now calls himself the father of many nations. He's walking around calling himself the father of many nations. He's confessing it out. There is something so potent about that. Speaking out what God has told him is going to happen. Speaking it out. You know, it's... Our declarations define who we are and what we are believing for. I know with my daughter, Lee. Happy birthday, Lee. Uh, Lauren, I mean. Happy birthday, Lauren, for yesterday. My daughter, Lauren, if you speak to Lauren, she, you will find that she only ever likes to win. She's a winner. If she can't win something, it's not a valid event. She will win everything. She's the best rock star. She's the best dancer. She's the best gymnast. She's the best everything. At one stage, when she used to watch MasterChef, she was the best MasterChef. You know, I am the MasterChef. You know, great declarations. Lauren just loves winning. Anyway, I remember it was the finals of the... Of the um, of the um, um, oh, MasterChef, MasterChef finals. And I had to go out and I missed it. They, they, they got the final two contestants. Lauren has been watching every episode and I had been too. And I missed the final episode. So I come in, finally I come in, it was the finals. And I said, Lauren, who was the MasterChef? And she said, me, I won. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like the identity thing. It's Look, I just want to say this, and I think it's really, really important. The power of declaration. This is what I do. Seriously, this is what I do. I will walk around and I'll say, you are the Lord, my healer. Thank you, Lord, for your healing power. You are my healer. Thank you. And pain, go in the name of Jesus. That is normally what I will do. If I'm, if I'm going the faith way, I will, I will declare Lord God, you are my healer, and I thank you for that. And devil, I rebuke you. Pain, go in the name of Jesus. I do that. I could alternatively do something like this. You are the healer, Lord, but just doesn't seem to be working for me. And I seem to have been overcome by my sicknesses. I look at those two, two declarations. The first one... You are my healer. I'm, I am, that, that lifts my faith. Lord, you are my healer. Thank you, Lord. By your stripes, I'm healed. Thank, it just builds my faith level. It builds me up. If I say, Lord, you're the healer, but it's not working for me, it pulls my faith down. I, I say, thank you, Lord. I'm glorifying and honoring him. Um, devil, go in the name of Jesus. I'm attacking the powers of darkness. But, oh, it looks like I've been overcome by, overcome by sickness. Well, that's not giving God glory, and it sure is glorifying the enemy. You know what I'm saying? There was something, I am, a, I am the father of many nations, okay? I know my wife's barren. Yes, I know that I'm 100 years old. But the fact is, you've promised me this, Lord God, so I'm going to be confessing it. I'm believing it. Amen. Praise God.